Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. Welcome into another edition of Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. I'm right with the Spirit on three. He's Nick Suss because it's Thursday and almost plays on Saturday. And during football season, I'm trying to make it a thing on Thursdays. That's sus. Hey, man, what's up? Hey. Uh, if you want to know literally what's up, um, somebody from inside Ole Miss's athletics department dared me to look up all of the times in Ole Miss football history that the Rebels' opponent has started with the same first three letters as their opponent's head coach, like Georgia Tech and Jeff Collins. So I am about 70% of the way through the history of every game Ole Miss football has ever played to cross-reference how many times it's happened. So that, that's how I spend my mornings productively. Man, I'm on the edge of my seat. I have found one so far, so it has happened before. Oh, but it's not, it's not necessarily a game that uh, Ole Miss fans will want to remember. Oh, gosh. What, what, which one is that? I'm blanking. Uh, 2010 Jacksonville State. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was a better um, day. That yeah. Day. So if you guys don't follow me on Twitter and want the stunning finale to this in about an hour or two, I will hopefully have figured out every game that it has happened before. This feels like one of those instances, like in community when uh, it was the Christmas episode, when Abed at the end of the episode, all this build up and all the things he's going through at Christmas and he opens a present and it's like the first season of loss. This feels like you're headed toward a lack of payoff is what I'm getting at. You never know. Cause there are some colleges, like I'm looking at their all time series page in the media guide right now. How am I going to find who the coach at Transylvania in 1916 was? Dracula. Or, that was a bad joke, but still. 
or who the coach of Memphis High School in 1912 was. Yeah, you're not. You're not. Yeah, some of these colleges I'm not even sure exist. What is Missouri normal? It's better than Missouri different. Yeah. Yeah, it's not abnormal, I guess, but. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that's that's what I'm working on. More mainstream. I think like you would fit in better at Missouri different than Missouri normal. I, I, I think both of us might, but. Oh, I know I would. Yeah. I wouldn't make it into either one of them because I, you know, p- people, I can, I, I'm too loud. I'm too loud. So, you know. They played they, some weird schools. What, what is Castle Heights? They played a military base in 1922, played Camp Benning. We're off to a rousing start. This is why it's that sus Thursday. That could be a thing. I've been just trying to do that sus, but that's the, that sus Thursday rolls off. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. How are you preparing for Georgia Tech on Saturday? I think it's just a game that's going to happen. Like, <laughs> I'm not saying that Georgia Tech is not capable of playing to the caliber of Ole Miss. We saw against Clemson, they hung around for a half, but – I mean, we got to look at their last three scores against ranked teams. They lost 41 to 10. They lost 45 to nothing. And they lost 55 to nothing. Like those are their last three power five games. They're all against ranked teams and they got routed every time. Georgia Tech is probably going to play Ole Miss a little bit better than they played Notre Dame and Georgia last year. And they played Clemson this year, but not enough better that it's one of those games that I'm really bracing myself for. I'm not writing it off, but if you told me this one was the same as the Clemson game where it's close for a little while, but it finishes with a 30-point spread, I'd believe you. I mean, Georgia Tech's offense is a special kind of bad right now. Defense actually pretty good, but that offense is brutal. What's scary about them? If you're an Ole Miss fan and you just go, wait, 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 Nick. This is the same team that hung with Clemson with their number or whatever they were, even though I don't think Clemson's a top five team by any stretch of the imagination. It's the danger. That's more of the danger of the preseason rankings than Georgia Tech being scary. So, but, but if you are an Ole Miss fan and it is a power five opponent and, you know, they remember Paul Johnson's Georgia Tech and upsetting people with the triple option and stuff. uh, What do you need to know about Georgia Tech and what is scary about them? I'd say the place to start is, so they've played two games so far against Western Carolina. Western Carolina ran the ball 40 times and gained 119 yards. Clemson also ran the ball 40 times against Georgia Tech and also gained exactly 119 yards. So So Ole Miss and Zach Evans and Quinshawn Judkins will rush for 119 yards. Okay, got it. Breaking news. Breaking news, Nick Suss reporting on this That Suss Thursday. I'm going to say they'll probably break 120, but Clemson also ran for three touchdowns in that game. Uh, So the the rushing attack isn't uh, impossible to get through, but they haven't given up a 20-yard rush this entire season. I think they're one of maybe 20 teams left in college football that hasn't done that. Their pass defense has been a little bit more susceptible to the big play, but they've kind of mitigated that. I think they have three or four picks already this year. The defense at times can be pretty good, but for all the talk that we've had, and I know you do it every day on the podcast, I only do it once a week, but for all the talk about quarterback battles, Ole Miss quarterback play still looks better than Clemson's right now. Like that situation is weird, 
and uh, Clemson really couldn't throw the ball that well against Georgia Tech, but they eventually found a groove. I've got it right here. What they do passing-wise against Tech, they threw for 259 yards and two touchdowns, completed 60% of their passes. That's a pretty good – like, I'm not going to say it's a nobody defense, but if you look at their offensive numbers, man, Georgia Tech's offense completing 58.5% of their passes for five yards per attempt. Oh, oh. Rushing attack, uh, they're averaging 4.94 yards per carry, so essentially the same as when they throw the ball. Um, Already ran for five touchdowns, but I would surmise, yeah, all five of those came against Western Carolina. Uh, Against Clemson, they ran 30 times for 73 yards and no scores. And against Clemson, they threw the ball uh, 36 times for 164 yards. This uh, Ole Miss's defense isn't Clemson's defense. I'm not going to make it out to be, but this is an offense that is just in the mud right now. Uh, Let's look at the first down markers. They have 28 first downs in two games, which is not something to be super proud of. Their third down conversion rate is seven of 27. That's about a quarter. Their red zone offense, they've only gotten into the red zone five times all year. And four of those were against Western Carolina. So only one trip to the red zone against Clemson. The offense just isn't something that, given the way Ole Miss's defense is playing, and I don't want to overhype this defense, but look, this offense shouldn't be that much better or worse than Troy's. I I don't think it's going to be that much of a difference from what you saw week one and week one Ole Miss absolutely dominated. Now, one other thing I will add that should be a little bit scary about Georgia tech. uh, Let me see the exact number already 15 tackles for loss on the year, five of which against Clemson. So that doesn't seem to be a fluke. They, they do hit you behind the line of scrimmage pretty well. That's including three sacks against Clemson, four sacks against Western Carolina. They're going to get after the passer. Uh, So that's maybe something to pay attention to the way Ole Miss's offensive line has started out the year. But again, I don't think that's enough to tip the scales away from thinking Ole Miss wins by more than two or three scores. How far off from Clemson's defense is Ole Miss's? Is it really that big of a difference? I don't know. I think Clemson's one of the premier defenses in college football. Well, how far away from that? I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out a way to answer that question because I can't be like 13 feet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think that Clemson just has so much depth and star power. I and mean, we're talking about a defensive line that has three first round picks on it. There's it, that's just mm-hmm. hard to compete with when you're Ole Miss. I think Ole Miss has a remarkable amount of talent and I'm starting to come around on the idea that maybe this year's defense can be better than last year's defense I I don't know if it is yet but I'm starting to see the patterns that could lead to that but I'm not going to put it in the conversation with your Clemson's and Georgia's and Alabama's yet just because there's a difference between having a defense that plays well and having a defense that has eight five stars on it I just I'm not ready to compare it to the top tier yet but if you're comparing it to say Kentucky, which you're going to have to compare it to in a couple of weeks, that's when it starts to get a little more interesting of how do you fare against some of these teams that have been historically very good at defense in the SEC is Ole Miss ready to kind of be in that group yet. 
and maybe that's going to be a great test in a couple of weeks. But right now, all I can say is they are a lot better at defense than Central Arkansas is at offense. Yeah, my question now is not if Ole Miss's defense is good. They do have a good defense, and it's going to be good all year. But who are the stars? Yeah. Who are to step up and be the stud studs? J.J. Pegues is coming on, and Lane Kiffin had a lot of good things to say about him this week. Aishim Young's had a good start. Kari Coleman is one of those guys. Kari Coleman, if he stays on this trajectory, then by the end of the year, you're like, oh, yeah, Ole Miss is one of the premier defenses. They're not going to be Alabama, Georgia, or Clemson, apparently, because I don't know dick about Clemson. But, yeah, <laughs> Ole Miss can be up there, and it can be a, a, a team that even when offensively they have to figure some things out in-game in those tough situations where they can give you extra opportunities to go out there yeah. extra points. No, it's – I'm interested to see who the stars are when they start – facing teams with competent passing attacks because mm -hmm. a lot of the guys that could be that or Aishim Young or AJ Finley or even Davis and Igbenosin for as young as he is, we haven't really seen them tested yet. They're just kind of having to sit back and make sure they don't blow a 40 point lead, which is a skill. But uh, yeah, I'm interested to see how the passing defense, which I think should be pretty good, holds up against Will Levis down the line or some of the other better quarterbacks that they're going to face, obviously Bryce Young, KJ Jefferson, some of these guys down the season. I finally watched Will Levis, by the way, last weekend. Finally watched him. I know it's probably malpractice on my part to have not watched the opponents for Ole Miss at this point. But I finally watched him, and I kind of get it now. He's got a big arm. I don't know if I buy him as a next-level guy, but, you know, I, I see the tools. I get it. It's yeah, one game, so I don't – I mean, I'm judging it off of the most – it's like reading the like the preface of a book and then saying, oh, yeah, I read War and Peace. Yeah, it's, it's a situation where I think it's also kind of a lazy scouting in that Will Levis is the only college player playing in an offense that translates directly to what the modern NFL is. Kentucky keeps hiring coaches from the Sean McVay coaching tree, the Kyle Shanahan coaching tree, to run their offense, and – that's what everybody in the NFL is doing right now. So it's easy to translate and look at what Kentucky's doing and saying, oh, well, Will Levis isn't just thriving in college. He's thriving doing what we do, which is very different than I can't remember how many times you and I had conversations about, well, does what Lane Kiffin's offense translate well for Matt Corral at the next level? It shouldn't matter. If you're a good quarterback, you're a good quarterback. But it's really easy to project what Will Levis can do because he's already doing what the NFL will want him to compared to Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, who I think are pretty clearly better than him right now, but they're doing it in pretty quintessential, and I'm using heavy air quotes since this isn't an audio pod or video podcast, college offenses. Which quarterback do I need to be watching for as a oh, Cowboys okay. fan for the Cowboys to be having the number one overall pick? That's what I'm asking. If they have the number one pick, then take C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young and you're going to be fine either way. If you want to go beyond that a lot yeah I, but you said which quarterback i know i know that, will anderson doesn't play quarterback that'd be like which vegetable should i eat <laughs> and i was like you know what you should eat go jogging that's not the same thing that's true i had to mute because i i kind of uh laughed a little too hard about that well it just shows you after week one as a cowboys fan it's already over i already prepared the draft show but that's neither here nor there because I'm looking forward to Ole Miss and Georgia Tech. You, you expect Ole Miss to win the game then because I feel like the first two weeks of the season has played out very much like a preseason for Ole Miss. This feels like the soft or like, you know, it just feels like the opener a little bit. 
Yeah, I wrote this column this week where I pretty much said no one in the national media or no national college football fans have noticed that Ole Miss has played a game yet this year, and that's exactly how it should be. Because these first four games of the season are set up where the only way Ole Miss is going to get noticed is if they lose a game like Texas A&M or Wisconsin or LSU or Nebraska or any of these big-time teams that lost. You're not going to get credit for beating Troy and Central Arkansas and Georgia Tech and Tulsa. You got to win these games anonymously. You got to be okay with being the 10th most talked about team in the SEC and looking at the power rankings and thinking, well, why do they think we're the ninth or 10th best team in the SEC? We're number 17 in the country. You got to be okay with that because the opposite is people are talking about you because you just got upset as the number 17 team in the country. It's very much a preseason, but that's very much what you and I and everybody else who talks and writes about Ole Miss warned people about for the last eight months is, look, this schedule is set up where the first four games might not matter at all. It's a chance to find out who you are. It's a chance to test your quarterbacks and test your transfers and build team chemistry and figure out a way to get the scheme going. I don't know if you guys know this. I wrote this, but it was behind a paywall. So who knows who read it? Um, Oh, I'm not being salty about it. I genuinely look at the page view numbers and I'm like, oh, somebody read it. But it did sound very sassy though. So I had to laugh. Sorry. But did you know that Ole Miss's offense is actually going faster this year than it had the last two years? I didn't. No, they're averaging if you, and it's not a perfect system because it doesn't account for uh, stoppages in play. But if you just divide time of possession by plays, It's 19 seconds between plays right now, which is not just the fastest of any Ole Miss team. It's the fastest of any Lane Kiffin team. It's faster than any team Chip Kelly ever put on the field at Oregon. And it's faster than all but one of the peak Baylor teams in the mid-2010s. That's how quick they're going with tempo. You're building that. That's the chemistry you're building, that even if the offensive pieces are new, even if all the skill guys are new, you're fitting them into what Kiffin likes to do and that's what these first four weeks are for it it has nothing to do with oh can you hang 70 or oh can you shut somebody out figure out how to be the best possible team you can be on October 1st and don't worry about the fact that these games are pretty non-compelling yeah it's very much a process oriented thing for Ole Miss and not a result-oriented thing. The result just needs to be a win. I don't care how you get the win. Get the win, and what did you figure out throughout that process of getting to that point? It doesn't matter if it's 28 to 10 or it's 59 to 3 or if Ole Miss goes to Georgia Tech and wins 36 to 33. Just get the win and tell me about what what went into that process, if that makes sense. Like, I want to see how they got there. Like, did Jackson Dart throw two interceptions that led to touchdowns or something? Or defensively? I don't know. But they, they just afforded that with the – you know, opening month, it's not all that difficult. That's a good thing to have. That's a good luxury to be allowed. So, yeah, you would rather be undefeated number 17 than Texas A&M right now. <laughs> that's, yes. just kind of, that's the thing. You beat your Sunbelt opponent. You can say more about that than Notre Dame or Texas A&M or some of these other teams can, Nebraska. You, you beat your team you were supposed to beat. And especially this year when we're seeing a rash of upsets, all you got to do in these gimme games is win them. And we can go through now two and a quarter years of Lane Kiffin's career here and pretty authoritatively say, I don't think he's lost a game that he absolutely should have won 
at any point. And that's a skill to be had, especially when we're seeing so many coaches have programs that lose the games they're supposed to win. Yeah, you, you could say get your popcorn ready and throw in his headset against Alabama, but Alabama was still the heavy favorite despite Ole Miss believing that it could go beat Alabama. That yeah. was just that was just a viral attempted a viral moment that just didn't happen. It didn't work out that way. But if anyone is sincerely saying, oh, in year two under Lane Kiffin, Ole Miss right. should have gone on the road and beaten number one Alabama, they were just impatient. Sure. They're, if the trajectory keeps moving it the way it does, and if Lane Kiffin can keep recruiting and keep building a good staff and all that stuff, sure, two, three years down the line, you can look at it as, oh, this is a team that can be expected to compete with Alabama. Last year, it was too early on the timeline, and, and we saw that. Is there a reason they're going fast, do you think? Is that something that has to do with trying to help the quarterbacks or give them an advantage in some way? I don't understand why they would be um, speeding up necessarily. Because that's the, the, perfect, the perfect version of this offense is the fastest version of this offense is that okay. you, you want this offense to be moving as quickly as possible. And when I say they're going faster, they're going 19.1 seconds between plays this year. And I think they went 20.3 seconds between plays last year. It's, it's imperceptible, but it is, you see how the defense reacts because if you're going fast and you're not substituting, the defense isn't allowed to substitute and you are, you know, you know what you're doing and the defense is going backwards on skates. That's the advantage that every Ole Miss system has or every Kiffin system has, whether it's a pass first system or a run first system, that tempo is always going to be the thing that works. Now, I think it's also pretty notable that the reason they're going so much faster right now is the completion percentage has dropped by about 7% off of last year, but the first down percentage, so number of plays that end in either a first down or a touchdown, is roughly equal. So if the clock is stopping at the same number of times for gaining yards, but stopping more frequently for incomplete passes, you're going to end up having less time possession, and that's going to skew the stat. So it also has something to do with the quarterbacks being less efficient than Corral was last year, but still, there are plenty of teams that complete the ball 60% of the time instead of 67 and don't average 19 seconds per play. That's just a remarkable, remarkable pace that, again, we've only seen among major dominant college offenses a couple of times ever. So that is something to watch for. If you guys are watching this weekend, try and keep a mental clock of just how long it takes between snaps for this team to get the ball off because that's a, that's a thing that's showing even if the offense isn't fully formed when it comes to hitting the big plays and doing the productive things it wants to, it does seem to be fully formed in identity of go fast, go downfield, get, get your plays going, line up, keep going. Luke's not going to play Saturday, right? I, I wouldn't think so. And if he does, I think it would be kind of in show. I mean, they're, we all know what's happening behind closed doors this week. We don't have to spread too much, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that Dart is going to have his best opportunity this week to, to show what he can do. And if Luke is healthy next week, maybe he gets a, a last chance before SEC play starts, but I don't know, maybe Jackson wraps it up this week. You never know. You really don't know what's going to, what's going to be the end result of this one, especially if Luke uh, can't throw. 
Well, we're, we're well into this podcast, and this is the first time I've brought up, really brought up the quarterbacks. So that's progress. This yeah. time next Thursday, are we just going to assume that Jackson Dart is the forever starter? Maybe. Again, I, I would be a little surprised if Lane names a starting quarterback at any I don't think you'll ever do that, like formally yeah. name a guy. No, I think that it's always going to be. Do you remember after the Florida game, his first game here, where John Rex didn't play a single snap? And he was asked, Lane was asked about it after the game. And he's like, no, I think that both of these guys are our quarterback, but <laughs> just Matt had the hot hand. So we, we didn't want to rotate. That's, that might be the case. Jackson could take every snap or Luke could take every snap and he'll come out and say, no, I was just riding the hot hand. And maybe it's the truth. Maybe it's ceremonial. I, I really don't know. But instead I think of saying a, a brilliant political masterstroke in a lot of ways, just to never say and let your actions be what they are. If you continue to speculate about a, a quarterback battle, even though all the evidence points to it's not really a battle, that's kind of on you. Because let's be honest, when Matt Crowell threw six interceptions, he never even once thought to go to John Rice Plumley. There's going to be a part of me that feels bad for Luke if that's the way it happens, because mm -hmm. he got a half to show who he was, and it was a half against Central Arkansas where they almost always started with the ball inside the 50-yard line. Like, he never really got to show much of his talent. And sure, you could say he did that in the, the Sugar Bowl last year, but that was a very different team and very different circumstances for him. So there's going to be a part of me that if the injury is what ends his chance at winning the job, I'm going to feel bad. That's but there's bummer. always going to be a skepticism of, well, did he have a chance in the first place? I think he did. But things are so cagey, you never he know. Get a, he did get a quarterback. I'm sorry to interrupt you. He did get a quarterback in the spring that had just gotten there and had no clue, and he'd been in the system for two years or a yeah. year, right? And um, he had an opportunity to separate himself, and he made it a real competition. I'm not saying it's over. It's not, because until somebody makes that either official declaration, which we don't think is going to happen, or one of them makes it so obvious that we're all like, oh, okay, it's settled it's always going to be a lingering question. Yeah, it will be. And the it's always going to come back to the conversation of, well, does it matter? Are the quarterbacks roughly as good as one another? And if they are, does that mean they're roughly as capable of winning games? I think that's still the situation we're in. But as Dart continues to improve, that whole conversation and I hate talking about ceiling and upside because I think that so much of quarterback play has to do with you know mental ability and less about physical talent but when we talk about ceiling and upside we're tending to be talking about physical talent but as dart continues to improve you start to see why that tends to be the line on dart that he has the higher ceiling and the higher upside well assuming that the quarterback stuff is settled by Kentucky which we all think it will be at least for um, a, a good stretch of time, unless something egregious happens. Ole Miss, as constructed, finally with a settled quarterback, ranks where for you in the SEC, considering what we know after last week? Sixth. Still sixth. Fifth or sixth. Okay. Somewhere, somewhere around there. Um, you can go back. You know I was never super high on Texas A&M, so it's That's not right. too easy to boot them down. I was pretty high on LSU. We'll see how good they are. We'll, we'll see. If they improve off a of week one, they, they showed nothing against Southern, just like Ole Miss showed nothing against Central Arkansas. I think that game LSU-Mississippi State this weekend is going to be sneaky fun. I think that's going to be a really, really fun game. Um, 
Georgia and Alabama are clearly better than Ole Miss right now. I think Arkansas is pretty clearly better right now. There, there's obviously time for that to change, but Arkansas has played Cincinnati and South Carolina. We, we've seen them against uh, real competition. Kentucky's pretty clearly better right now, again, just because we've seen them play uh, a Florida and, and show up. But after that, you could argue about Florida being better. You could argue about Tennessee being better. You could argue about um, as I said, A&M, LSU, just the entire West. We'll see what Auburn does against Penn State this weekend. That could be an ugly game, or it could be, you know, one of those games that Auburn uh, shows that, hey, this is a stupid Auburn year. Look, maybe we win 10 games. Uh, you, I, I've made it very clear on this podcast that I cannot predict what's going to happen with Auburn. But I don't know, man. I, I just, uh, I would say sixth, somewhere five to seven right now, a little bit ahead of the middle of the pack. But when you haven't played anybody, it's hard to judge you against teams like Tennessee, which has gone out and beaten Pitt on the road, Kentucky, which has gone out and beaten Florida on the road, Florida, which has beaten Utah, Arkansas, which has beaten Cincinnati and South Carolina. Those are much more impressive credentials than, oh, routed central Arkansas. Yeah. So here's what I'm thinking about. When you look around and think about Brian Harson and other coaches and stuff, now that Scott Frost has been fired – inevitably finally it's over who's next who's taking his spot as oh well he's on the clock now is it brian harson i think it's jeff collins oh wow okay it could be harson it really could but georgia tech under jeff collins has been rough i think the last power five team they beat that didn't end up firing its head coach that offseason was North Carolina last year, and that was like week three. It's um, It's been tough sledding for them, and we'll see if they can turn it around. But I was looking at their media guide the other day uh, to bring this back to the Georgia Tech game, but they have the highest percentage of freshmen on a roster, I think, of any FBS team, but maybe of any Power 5 team. They are a very young team. But they also went out and signed 17 transfer portal players this year, just like Ole Miss did. The difference is Ole Miss signed a bunch of transfer portal players, and all of them are playing. Georgia Tech signed 17 transfer portal players, and I think only four or five of them are contributing right now. So it's a very developmental, go out and get some guys who these are the quintessential examples of weren't getting playing time at a big, big school. Let's see if we can do a reclamation project. And stuff like that either is going to take time or get a coach canned. I, I don't know which is going to be the case, but we'll see. We'll see. Jeff Collins has to be up there. Brian Harson has to be up there. I'm, I'm thinking through some other Power 5 coaches who might be kind of at risk right now. Has anybody made themselves suddenly at risk through the first two weeks? I don't know if it happened through the first two weeks, but another person I'd put on that list is Herm Edwards, just because of all of the weird weird stuff that has happened at Arizona State in the last two years if they have a bad year this year I think it's probably the end of that experiment um Jimbo's Teflon there's there's no way he gets fired this year I don't care how bad they do they're not gonna fire him and then pay him nine more years guaranteed money that's just that's not gonna happen Um, that's why contracts like that are never a good idea I don't care how good it is if it's even Nick Saban 10-year contracts. Come on now. Come on. No, and it's we, – we saw it backfire with John Gruden in the NFL where you sign a guy to a 10-year deal and 
whoops, you don't have them anymore. That's a lot of beat to be on the hook for. Um, Unless you just don't care about money. If you're like Mark Davis and you're living in Vegas with that haircut, that shows I got the most F you money in the world. I can wear my hair as I want, basically cut it myself because I just have F you money and I'm going to get what I want anyway. Oh, yeah. But I mean, there's a difference between NFL owner F you yes. money and college booster F you money. Unless it's Alabama. Yeah. No, but I'm not saying there is no individual booster who is spending that kind of money. There is a collection of boosters who are. We see that all the time. But individual boosters probably care a little bit more if their investments go bad than just one megalomaniacal billionaire. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, talk of champions in iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. It doesn't matter what you say. As long as it's five stars, this podcast can be found wherever you get your podcasts. Just simply search Talk of Champions. And Talk of Champions is brought to you in part by Thomas Chandler of Capital Financial Group. When's the last time you thought about retirement? What about saving for your kid's college? In these crazy economic times, working with a professional is of the utmost importance, and that's where my friend Thomas Chandler comes in. Thomas is a financial planner with Capital Financial Group, and he wants to help you make the right decisions for your financial future. So give him a call today at 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. And tell them that Ben sent you for a no-cost consultation and get started toward financial independence today with Thomas Chandler of Capital Financial Group. Your Ole Miss baseball rebels are national champions. Yes, that really happened. Your eyes did not deceive you. And what better way to celebrate since we all spent way too much money getting to and back home from Omaha than with a new car. Well, the only place to buy a car in Oxford, Mississippi is Allen Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. From new and used sales to parts and service, Allen Samuels of Oxford aims to provide a truly stellar automotive experience. And what separates Allen Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford from every other dealership is they aim to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. They'll get you in the car you want at a price point that you can afford. Give them a call today, 662-234-8000. Ask Brian or Mason to tell them talk of champions since you because now talk of champions actually makes sense almost baseball won a national championship and they'll get you in your dream car with your almost omaha magnet planted right there on the driver's side door they're located at 2201 east university avenue in oxford that's 2201 east university avenue that's just past kroger contact them today 662-234-8000 that's alan samuels chrysler dodge jeep ram of oxford a proud sponsor of the national champion Talk of Champions podcast. Sunday was a glorious return for the NFL regular season. And now is the time to prepare for your winning season at MyBookie. Whether you're a veteran better or a first-timer, MyBookie gets you the most for your money with a double deposit bonus. It's quick. It's easy. A $250 deposit puts $500 in your account. And you can use your funds to bet instantly on as many games, contests, and props as you want. To claim your bonus, register today and use promo code TOC for Talk of Champions, TOC, designed to add more excitement to the games and sports you love. Bet on team win totals, predict the Super Bowl winner, bet on college football, Ole Miss and Georgia Tech, or use the MyBookie prop builder and secure the bag. Because your winning season begins today, exclusively at MyBookie. 
BNA Bank is celebrating 125 years of local banking. For generations, BNA Bank has been a stable fixture in Northeast Mississippi, supporting and investing in our local small businesses, local schools, local community events, local charities, and so much more. At BNA Bank, we believe in our local communities, businesses, and organizations because we are a local business, too. Thank you for choosing to bank local with BNA Bank. Homeless fans, you can never be too careful, especially these days and with young kids at home. Don't take any chances and secure your home with Eufy Smart Lock, an easy install all-in-one security device for your front door and that peace of mind we're all looking for. I myself am a Eufy user, and I can tell you firsthand, go ahead and ditch those house keys forever, grab a Phillips head screwdriver because that's all you'll need, and give Eufy Smart Lock a try today. No monthly fee, and Eufy customer service is waiting on standby 247 to help you with any and all home security needs. So what are you waiting for? Head to Vault Hemingway or the Pavilion or Swayze Field to cheer on your Ole Miss Rebels with the reassurance your home is in good hands with Eufy Smart Lock. Eufy Video Lock makes it easy to keep an eye on things back home. Its built-in camera can tell you who's at the front door from the comfort of your stadium seat. Search Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com, eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. That's Eufy Smart Lock and Eufy Video Lock, a proud sponsor of the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. Who's Nebraska going to hire? I think that they'll probably end up targeting somebody like Matt Campbell, somebody like Matt Rule, somebody who has that experience coaching in that region of the country, who's a proven culture guy, a proven program builder. If I were them, I wouldn't be afraid to go after Tom Herman because for as weird as his Texas tenure was, the dude finished in the top 25, three out of four years, won a Sugar Bowl. Um, obviously, I think he had like a 65% winning percentage at Texas, which is maybe the best anybody's done since Mac Brown. I think that he could be a good, interesting fit there. I don't know. Nebraska's a weird job because they're going to want to go after the best people available. But I don't think the best people available necessarily want to go to Arkansas, uh, want to go to Nebraska. A weird slip there. but maybe Mickey Joseph earns the job. I've, I've heard that's a possibility. He's, he's a hometown guy for them, just like Scott Frost is, but we'll see how he can handle it. And if they look competent during big 10 play, 
maybe he could be their Dabo, their Edo, their guy who. Oh man! See, I, I just wins the job through the interim. I, I've heard I've heard that so many times, Nick, and I've heard it here at Ole yeah. Miss. Gunner Brewer, the reason why he wasn't given the interim, why Houston Nutt was left on, even though he was fired to coach the final games in that two and ten seasons, because they're terrified to give the job in the interim to Gunner Brewer and the local pressure to make him the permanent guy, even though that might not be, probably isn't, probably safe to say it isn't the best long-term idea. They did it with Matt Luke. Uh, I just, ugh. when you're trying yeah. to find your own Dabo or your own whatever, it's very hard to do that when you're not, you know, in that upper, upper tier, the upper room, if you will. Yeah, no, I think it's true. I, I wouldn't necessarily advocate for it, but Mickey Joseph is a obviously a different case than just guy who has been at Nebraska forever. He's coached around the SEC. He's coached all around the country. His brother's been an NFL head coach before. There, there's a a difference to hiring him compared to just some schmuck who loves Nebraska. But well, still, Gunner think, Brewer and Matt Luke weren't schmucks who loved Ole Miss. That's not why they got the job. I, I know. I'm just saying. It's it. Let's not paint it as a dinner for schmucks here. Out. There's a there's a deep movie cut for you. I, I watched that movie. I laughed at it. Well, you were you were one of ten, so that's good. I think it came out, if not the same weekend, within like a month of the other guys coming out. That was a good summer for me watching movies that made me laugh. But that's neither here nor there. Um, I don't know. I, I think that they'll probably go after. We'll see how bad the Panthers' season is this year, and if Matt Rule is available, I think he'd be priority number one. So no Hugh Freeze is what you're saying. <laughs> would Hugh Freeze want that job? Yes, he would crawl over glass for that job. It just seems like a weird, weird culture fit for him. Everything, every place is a weird culture fit for Hugh Freeze other than Liberty. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. There, I, I've seen both of the prominent Mississippi SEC coaches' names kind of mentioned in hush hush whisper. Uh, obviously, Lane has connection to Nebraska because his dad coached there. But I would just, as a person who is sick in the head, I would love to see Mike Leach at Nebraska. That would be so weird. That's kind of a brilliant fit. It is. Huh. Because if Mike Leach can go to Starkville, I mean, Nebraska is just nothing but startable. The whole the, state. The thing that Nebraska needs to acknowledge is that there is no recruiting base. And since you don't have a recruiting base and you don't have the name brand anymore to recruit nationally, you need to find a way to win independent of having five-star talent. And so that means kind of embracing a scheme or a philosophy on the fringe of success. Maybe that's going out and getting Matt Campbell from Iowa State, who has done the exact same thing at Iowa State. But if you're trying to win in the SEC style or the Ohio State style or the Oklahoma, Texas style, I don't think you can do that at Nebraska just because you can't attract that level of talent. But if you get somebody like Mike Leach willing to do something that He's never wanted five stars. He's always wanted the guys who fit best for what he does. And sometimes, whoa, I got lucky. I got a Michael Crabtree. But for the most part, it's just they're winning with Austin Williams, a receiver. And he's 
year six at Mississippi State or whatever, and he's catching touchdowns and he looks great because he's a guy who knows what to do in that air raid offense. That's that's the kind of thing. And I'm not saying they need to go out and get Mike Leach. I'm saying they need to go out and get a guy who wins that way. How has Jimbo gotten the same kind of job security as Nick Saban doing so much less? He has 58 four and five stars and yet loses to Appalachian State and everyone's kind of forgotten about it three days later. It's not, oh God, let's, you know, what's up with Jimbo? It's now, well, how will Jimbo pull him out of this? As if Jimbo didn't put them in this place to begin with. I'll say the same thing I said three weeks ago. Let's see how good they are in November. Let's see how good they are when the freshmen get older. But to answer the question you were asking, Jimbo reminds me a lot, or I guess Texas A&M's program reminds me a lot of where LSU was and where Georgia was in like 2015, 2016, where look at all this talent they have, look at how rich their recruiting base is, look at all these fours and five stars. Why does this offense look like it was designed in 1996? And that's the problem is just they seem to be out of touch with the direction college football is headed. And that's not so much an insult as it is. I mean, just look at the way they play and look at the way everybody else plays. Look at the way that Alabama adapted, where the first half of this dynasty, they were scoring 13 points a game and saying, who cares? Cause we're only giving up six points a game. Now, they have three starting quarterbacks in the NFL right now who were all on the same team together, and they're about to have a fourth next year. That is still absurd. That is absurd. And, like, that's how you evolve. The game has became a quarterback-driven game, a tempo-driven game, a spread offense-driven game, and Texas A&M's offense still kind of looks like it's being coached by Lloyd Carr. And, and again, that really worked in the 90s and early 2000s. But just like Jimbo won that championship in 2013 because he had a transcendent amount of talent, it's been 10 years. The game's evolved. you got to evolve with the game. And I think he's done a good job of evolving with the game defensively. But that offense looks like LSU before Joe Brady got there. It looks like Georgia before Todd Munkin got there. Just that kind of... You got all this talent in the world. Why are you, why are you trying to drive a 2022 Ferrari with a 1975 Mustangs engine? Nebraska was one of the kings of the 90s, and now Ole Miss has surpassed them in 2022. But if you had told five, six, seven, eight-year-old Ben in the 90s, that would happen. Oh, no way, man. Ole Miss, I'm just happy that Stuart Patrick is taking them to the Motor City Bowl. Yeah, but just think about the 90s. Nebraska was that dominant won three championships in four years, mm-hmm. essentially running a triple option. Right. Like the game changes, the game evolves. Nobody dares run the triple option now, not because it won't work, but because you can't develop NFL talent with that. And if you tell kids, Hey, you're going to win here, but you don't have an NFL future. The kids aren't going to come to you. So they should hire Hugh freeze. That's what you're saying. Sure. Go out and get a few freeze. Liberty's looked great this year. That's a, that's a great program. Have they? No, they needed like double overtime to beat Southern Miss. Oh, how bad Southern Miss? 
Go get Will Hall. Southern Miss has been okay. I mean, they hung with Miami last week for a quarter and a half before I think they ended up losing by three or four scores. But Oh, man. They, they hung with Miami. That's going to be a fun one to watch this weekend, Miami versus Texas A&M. That's a weird game. Go get Will Hall. I don't know if Will Hall is going to work as, as a head coach in major college football. He's a local guy. I've always rooted for him. I just I don't know if it's going to work. I just have concerns about Southern Miss broadly. Not Will Hall's concerns. Just that program is so financially behind a lot of its competition. We'll see if joining the Sun Belt can help. That's going to be a more financially stable conference. But, man, you want the third school in the FBS in Mississippi to be competitive, but just resources wise, it's, it's a really, really uphill climb for them. Well, I mean, they could just go steal money from the welfare, you know, programs in Mississippi and pay for stuff. No, they could, I, I think they might get caught. Well, Ole Miss and Georgia tech two thirty Saturday. I make you say it on every Thursday. That's that sus Thursday. What's your final score prediction? Are you going to put it behind a paywall? Because if you don't want to, like, tell people you're behind a paywall score, I get that. No, Ben. So predictions drive search traffic. So that's always free. It's the stuff that drives click traffic, like website traffic that we put behind the paywall. So anything that you'd want to Google, that's going to be free. So go to clarionledger.com Friday at 6 a.m. or whatever when that story goes up. And you will see my prediction that I haven't written yet. So therefore, I don't know the score and don't want to say a score now and then lock myself into the box in an hour when I end up writing the story. But it'll be there and I'll pick Ole Miss to cover the spread if that's what you want to know. What is the spread? 16 and a half, 17, somewhere around there. Ooh. I'll pick Ole Miss to cover. Sure. Why not? You want to put any other betting advice out there into the world? Don't bet. What? That's my advice. Don't this bet. is the same guy who last week said, enjoy things. It's okay to enjoy things. And now you're telling me you're going to stick with stigmatizing betting. Guys, you're going to lose money. If you're going to, if you're going to give away money, spend it on things that are going to make you happy. But I, it makes me happy to bet on things. Okay. Then, then be miserable. No, but I'm happy doing it. I, it's fun to lose 50 bucks and to set a fantasy lineup every week and lose. It's fun. Yeah. It's no. the hope of it all. For me, it's fun to be like, you know what I'm going to use money on this week? I'm probably going to buy Rock Band. And you're like Paul Rudd and Ant-Man? Yeah, just like end of story. I'm probably going to buy Rock Band. Well, and- just do both. Take $20 and bet Ole Miss to cover. Make a little money and go buy Rock Band drums and a guitar. <laughs> and then you could add the keyboard. And instead of building a real band by actually trying to practice the skills and learn the skills to allow you to play a real instrument. I'm going to play rock band. No, like I, I will end this podcast with this story. You can cut the story off at any point. We can leave people suspense and bring it in next week. <laughs> but I was really, really good at guitar hero and rock band in high school, which shouldn't surprise you at all. I was like spending all of my free time. That's all me and my friends did. And when I was in ninth grade, we went to our first boy girl sleepover party which is such a big deal at our friend Ryan's house. He, he lived on a farm because he rode horses. Time out, time out, time out. Yeah. I'm from Mississippi. We never had boy girls sleepovers. 
yeah, this is one of the two I ever went to. It was it was a big deal. But so no, no, no but well, what happens at a boy girl sleepover? Because my mind, I'm thinking boy girl sleepover. What do you do at a boy girl sleepover? Well, we're getting there, Ben. Okay. We are getting there. All right. So shutting up. So Ryan had all of his male friends over from school, which were all of us math nerds. And uh, all of his female friends were from riding horses. So it was a bunch of horse girls and math nerds, which is just such a, a fun combination. I don't know. That sounds like a combustible combination to me, man. That sounds like, woo, party it was, time. It, it, was, it was rowdy and raucous. So when, when the sun goes down, we uh, start playing a game of manhunt, which is just hide and seek for edgy teams. And me and my friend Brett were walking around the stables on his family's property, which makes it sound like they were some rustic 1700 British lords. It was just like one little stable that had two or three horses in it. But so we were walking around looking for people and we walk in and we do find a guy and a girl together, mm-hmm. but we find them in a compromising position. So Brett and I uh, start to feel really uncomfortable about walking in on some, some vigorous rubbing. And, and Brett just looks at me calmly and says, I think Ryan has Guitar Hero. And so oh, we go upstairs and play Guitar Hero uncomfortably for like two hours. And then so uh, about two hours later, we assume the coast is clear. We go back down uh, to, the, to the party Mm-hmm. and find that everybody's around a bonfire uh-huh. and they're playing they're playing the lamest game of truth or dare that has ever existed where it's just truth it is yeah, just no one wants to dare because what, what are you going to dare him to do get pleasure in the horse tables but so it has devolved to a point where it's just somebody picks a topic and then everybody in the circle has to answer that topic just every single time it's like oh, who do you have a crush on? And everybody has to say. And it's lame and nobody was telling the truth. But the second that I get into the circle, the topic is, who at this party would you most want to kiss? And I'm like the second person who has to go. And at this point, I am a very awkward, probably still prepubescent ninth grader who has never kissed anybody. And I just start babbling. It's like, Nick, it's your turn. It's like, I don't know. I've never kissed him before. I don't know what I'd be good at it. I don't know if I want somebody to be my first kiss. It's got to be special. What's this? What's that? I, I don't know. I don't know exactly what I pick. I mean, I could pick you. I could pick you. And I'm just like performatively turning into a, a schmuck. And uh, I get so anxious and so nervous that every girl at the party ends up feeling bad for me. Oh, and my for- God. That's so much worse. And for the rest of the circle, every single girl who doesn't have an agenda just cops out and says, oh, I would be Nick's first kiss. You put yourself in the friend zone. And just every single one of them is like, oh, I would pick Nick. I would make him feel better about this. I would pick Nick. I would pick Nick. And then let me count on my fingers real quick. Seven years later, I had my first kiss. So it worked out. It really, I played the long game. Every part of that story made me tense up and cringe. I hated all of it. Oh, I hated every moment of it. Don't worry. I'm engaged now. I'm happy now. Happily engaged and doing great. Oh, God, poor little Nick. I just want to go back in there and go, you don't have to sit in a circle. Go back and play Guitar Hero because everyone else 
new when you're having a boy-girl party sleepover, what is going to happen? Kids get bored and they start doing shit, okay? My question is, where are the parents here? Which parents signed off on this? Because you are terrible parents. <laughs> terrible. And also, Nick, poor little Nick, just wanting to go play Guitar Hero, sucked into the work. No, no, not sucked. Pulled into, wait, no, we can't say pull either. Brought into the bonfire of sin. Man, I was so happy when that party was over. And then the next year, he had another one. And uh, we this, this story is much shorter. But uh, so I was the first person in my high school who had confirmed case of swine flu when that was going around. Oh, my God. It oh, was. Uh, you're a happy person. Yeah. Did you have anything happy in your formative years? And plenty, plenty, but those aren't funny. So I'll tell the funny ones. Um, so I, I was the first person who had swine flu. Uh, not the first person who had it. The first person who actually went to the doctor. Breaking news. Breaking news. The first known case in the United States back in whatever year of yeah. swine flu, Nicholas Suss. Back to you, Nick. I think this was 2009. So uh, I think I got tested on like a Sunday or Monday and had to quarantine for a full week. So Ryan's next party was on that Saturday. So it was like seven days after and it was the first thing I was allowed to do afterwards. You know what um, I'm hearing? Ryan is a bad influence. I interrupted again, back to you. I think he's married and has a kid now. I think he's doing good. I haven't talked good to him. Good for you, before. Ryan. You but also ruined a childhood. He's not the one who gave me swine flu. It was probably one of my best friends. But um, so oh, I, so you're saying you and Ryan aren't good friends? Not anymore. I haven't talked to him since our freshman year of college. Well, good. But, then we're going to shit on Ryan. Hey, Ryan, you're a bad influence. Sorry. So we go to that party. It's the first time I've left the house in like seven or eight days. And my parents are like adamant. They're like, you're allowed to be there but just don't go in the pool. Just don't swim. Just don't go in the pool. Just like, you just had swine flu for seven days. Don't go in a pool. That's just going to give you pneumonia. And so I get there and I decide I'm just going to calmly walk laps around the pool. And if somebody chooses to push me in, then that's on them. I, I'm not the one who went in the pool. I got pushed. And then Brett, my friend from earlier, is the one who pushes me in. But Brett was like... Wait, was Brett the horse stables guy? No, Brett was my friend who I played okay. Guitar Hero with. That's right, okay. Um, Brett, Brett was like six inches and 50 pounds smaller than me. So it, it stopped being plausible when my parents were like, Brett pushed you in the pool? Yeah, Seems kind of like you let him push you in the pool. Yeah. It's all, hey, man, low man wins. Everybody knows this is a football podcast. Low uh, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's the whole point of the story, to get back to football. Low man wins. That's exactly why I told you this story. <laughs> not a weird diversion about Guitar Hero. Gamble on sports, it's fun. Not Nick, he doesn't enjoy it, but you, the fan listening to this, if you got to the end of this and you're still listening, God bless you. And if you're a parent and your kid says, hey, can I go to a boy-girl uh, party sleepover on a horse farm? Yeah, who are you trying to hook up with? Maybe ask some follow-up questions. 
I want to know. I don't even want to ask them. I want to go. Who? I want to go up to the parents. I want to meet these parents. They're probably you know in their sixties and stuff now. Get one of these assholes on the podcast. Hey, you remember when little Becky went to the party, that little first boy girl sleepover party? They weren't praying. They weren't sitting in the little prayer circle. She was in the stables with Johnny. What did you think was going to happen? Old Miss Georgia Tech Saturday. Good podcast, buddy. PM Central Time. I enjoyed it. Thanks, man. Thank you. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.